0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network presented by Coors Light. Go from full time to game time. Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find the Raptor show where we listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, Swim Lou. Joining me to recap that thrilling win between uh, the Raptors and the Suns is my co-host,
1: Blake Murphy. Blake, how you doing, man? Did you enjoy that one? Yeah, that was obviously a a very fun game. And, you know, we kind of joked about it uh, at the end of yesterday's show. Like, of course, second night of a back-to-back, all these travel issues, playing against the Suns on a seven-game win streak with plenty of rest, coming off that awful loss of that. Of course, they're going to beat the Suns. This is life as a 500 team is there are some days you're going to look really good and some days you're going to look really bad. And I think, you know, the Suns, when they're really locked in, can at least defend a little bit. But this Raptors team is weirdly particularly suited, I think, to shut down really high offenses, um, whereas they can't. They can be shut off as well. So if you run into a team like the Nets, who, you know, they're not even that good defensively overall. They just played really well defensively that game and did, did do the kind of things schematically that basically make the Raptors jump shoot, and they're, they're not particularly well-equipped for that, whereas Phoenix is a team where, well, there are spots in the offense that, that you can find, you know, their their interior defense is not that strong, as we saw with the Pertle going off yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and then you do have two or three big wing defenders that, look, nobody is going to stop Devin Booker and Kevin Durant night to night. But you are probably, you know, you're, if not the best, one of the three best suited teams to at least make life difficult for Booker and Durant. So um, this is kind of where they're at as a 500-ish team is like there are nights like last night where they're going to look like they should win 50 games. And there's nights like the night before where it's like, man, would they win 30 if one guy got hurt? It's, uh, they're, they're in yeah. a weird spot. Yeah,
0: I mean, um, I think I tweeted just before tip-off. I was watching like the the pregame like, celebrations and announcements and the fireworks and all that. And I was just like, you know what? If they win this one, all is forgiven. Yeah. And I was kind of like just kind of joking about it. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is it is that type of team where the Raptors do have the potential to play really well. Um, I think the matchup was pretty good. I mean, look, I, the one thing I was pretty confident in was OG was going to be able to guard Devin Booker pretty effectively. I, he, this is like at least four or five times now. We have seen this matchup between OG and Devin, and OG come up on top.
1: And um... Booker, by the way, held, not only held to just eight points, but one of the things we like to look at when it's an OG thing, and this is this happened against Donovan Mitchell too, is it's not even that Booker didn't score; Booker didn't shoot. The way Devin, but like Devin Booker had 12 field goal attempts in 33 minutes. And I know he was in and out with the ankle. Uh, He had rolled his ankle. He left in the first half as well. Maybe related to the calf injury he had before. They never really updated us. Mm -hmm. But if you hold a guy who can regularly go off for 30 to 12 field goal attempts, man, even if he goes like eight for 12, you've done your job. And he went two for 12 last night. Yeah. And I think that was the story of the game was just how good the Raptors
0: wings were able to guard Phoenix's like superstar wings. And I think, And being in the arena pregame for that one, it kind of gives you that appreciation of, like, there's, like, levels of stars, you know? Like, there are certain teams that will come in, like, I don't know, this is obviously an exaggeration, but when the Pistons come into town, I'm just thinking about the last home game I remember seeing, it was like, okay, Pistons come into town, and it's like, yeah, nobody's really in there, and people are there mostly taking photos of the Raptors, all that kind of stuff. Yesterday, so the game's at 7.30, you know, doors open probably around 6 for fans to come into the arena, maybe a little later, and... Every single person that's in there, at least early, is wearing a Kevin Durant jersey or Devin Booker jersey. And there's, like, a variety. There's, like, KD jerseys from the Sonics. KD jerseys from, like, Texas A&M. There's, like, Devin Booker jerseys from Kentucky in there. Drake's in the building, too. He's obviously a big fan
1: of – On time, too.
0: too. On time early, yeah, in time to, to watch the celebrations. We've seen certain games where Drake walks in third quarter. I think that was the Celtics game. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the in-season tournament. But... <laughs> yeah, he was just like, Matt and
1: Jack are struggling. They need me. Yeah, honestly, need me.
0: he really did tap in, and the Raptors did make a good comeback. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't get it done against the Celtics, but there's just different tiers of stars, and obviously everyone's just watching around, watching KD. Even all the media is on that side. You know, it's usually the Raptors media or whoever the local media is typically looking at the Raptors, trying to talk to some of the assistant coaches, uh, and watching the players warm up. Yesterday, everybody's on the other side watching KD and Booker, and so in that kind of context with these type of players you really do need truly special defensive ability and i thought you know both og and scotty should deserve so much credit for what they did defensively. what did you see from them
1: yeah i i agree with you completely and og is just you know when it comes to these kind of high scoring two guards he's just he has the right combination obviously like his hip work and his footwork is, is really really strong he can stay in front of guys even though he's not the fastest guy he fights around screens really, really well. He actually had a block on a rear view contest yes. last night where he did lose the edge a little bit in lock and trail, and he still got the arm up to kind of get a reach around, yes. stop on it, which is like that is like that, that was, was absurd. I know, I know, I know it was like a Dwayne Wade special for a long time, but Dwayne yeah, Wade yeah, wasn't right. always guarding the best player on the other team, and he was often. You know, Dwayne Wade was a little bit of, and Fred would do this sometimes last year, where like, if you f- sense yourself losing a guy, mm-hmm. let him go by so that you can then, like, Fred would do it, reach in for a steal, yeah. and Dwayne Wade would do it, okay, I'm gonna, I want him to shoot now because I've lost the edge and I think I can block it. OG's was just like an eraser from like 12 feet out at the elbow. Yeah. It was, it was tremendous. So he's, he's very good at that. And I think, you know, you still probably don't want him chasing point guard, like, true point guards all the time. Like, I, we didn't really talk about, you know, switching him off of Mitchell to Garland when Garland got going in that game because one of Dennis' Pascal or or they went with Scotty in that one. You know, those guys can, can deal with that, and OG had shut off Mitchell. Um, so I don't know that you're going to put him on, like, a point guard, point guard, but we've seen him do this to James Harden. We've seen him do this... To Devin Booker, to Donovan Mitchell, there, there aren't guys... Even in the the Philly games, he switched between Maxi and Embiid mm, in the one yeah, that he right. played. Like, he has that ability to do both. And, I mean, what that lets the Raptors do, first of all, is, like, it gives you some real matchup advantages because you can... Put Dennis on whoever makes the most sense. You can do what you need to do to keep Scotty in the lower part of the floor if that's something you want to do, because you can plug OG in so many different ways. Now, yesterday I thought Scotty just had a really good individual defensive game as well. And I know people might look at Kevin Durant's line and be like, well, he had 30 points and six assists. He used 34 possessions to get those 30 points. If you are holding a KD and Booker team to under a point per possession, you are like that, you gotta win that game at that point because Mm -hmm. you know you're even if you're defending really well, KD only getting 30 on 34 used possessions is, uh, like, even with good defense, that's kind of an off night for KD. He's just that good. It was a bit of an off night for KD because down the stretch, the guy I was most afraid of, obviously,
0: was Kevin Durant, right? Because it was like, it was like a 1-2 possession game. The Raptors were ahead, and credit to OG for making that corner three. Credit to Dennis for making that layup. By the way, Dennis Schroeder joining us uh, scheduled for 3 p.m. today, so stay tuned. Uh, we will be asking about the layup around Yusuf Nurkic to clinch the game and also the nutmeg assist to Kevin Durant <laughs> in transition. That was beautiful. My second favorite play of the game uh, next to that block by OG. But, you know, down the stretch, you're worried about Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant got a couple of looks, open-ish, mid-range pull-ups. Uh, you know, there's the three that the Raptors went up five after Dennis's layup and the Suns threw up a play where, you know, Katie was able to duck behind two screens. Precious switched out on him, but a little bit late. Um, but really good execution by the Suns. I, I, I think that's actually pretty good defense by Precious. But KD missed that one narrowly as well. So there were a couple of chances for the Suns to ultimately take it. I mean, that's the level of skill and talent that they have. We don't need to detail that. But I, I think watching over the bulk of the game, the amount of, like, work and physicality that went into, you know, what OG did against Booker, what, uh, you know, Scotty did against KD, The amount of help that those guys got from Yaka who I thought did a great job of keeping those guys from getting downhill, felt like most of KD shots were pull-ups instead Mm -hmm. of going to the basket. A lot of
1: baseline stuff, that baseline fade, that is impossible to contest properly, but it's even for Durant, it's a degree of difficulty shot. Right, and it's a concession of like, I don't want to go all the way to the basket because Yak is there. Mm -hmm. I thought Precious also did
0: a really good job. And I think one thing that was interesting watching the, the coverage live was second quarter I was noticing the Raptors started trapping a lot of those lineups. So just coming out the second quarter, it was Devin Booker plus, I don't know, whatever assorted sons are out there. <laughs> it doesn't really matter who else is out there. Um, Chimazee, me too. Yeah, there's uh, like some, some, Kobe. some of that too. Yeah. Some like uh, Eubanks, the Raptors, yeah. you cut him obviously as part of that trade, uh, I think last year. But yeah, the Raptors started trapping Devin Booker. And I think what was notable about that is I don't think Darko has trapped a lot of guys like that. Like we're talking hard traps. Like anytime a screen came the two guys on the Raptors would be above the three-point line, forcing Booker to get rid of the ball. And I think we saw that so much last year under Nick Mm -hmm. Nurse. We didn't see it so much under Darko so far. What did you make of that strategy?
1: Yeah, I liked it. First of all, I think, you know, this is a Suns team that obviously is built to have Durant and Booker and Beal, but let's leave Beal aside because who knows how much he's going to play. Sure, yeah. But when you have Durant and Booker, the thinking is you always have one score on the floor, right? Either of those, we talk a lot about the Scotty and Bench lineups either of those guys should be able to at least keep you afloat offensive. I mean, Devin Booker kept a bad Suns teams afloat with lots oh, yeah. of offense for a long time. Just ask Darko. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then when only one of the, when both of them are on the floor, you just can't do that. Because <laughs> if you make it, like, say you want to trap Booker, even if Durant is two passes away and you trust your ability to recover and make the right switches and rotation stuff, it's too dangerous. Any possibility of Durant getting to play a second of four on three. You're toast. It's the same with if you trap Durant and Booker's on the floor. But when only one of them are on the floor, and especially when it's... Look, Nurkic looked good offensively last night. He He is not the defender he was pre-last injury in Portland. I thought that was going to be a decent enough fit, given how little they ask, they're they asking him to do. Um, he has not looked great defensively. But 19 points at six assists last night. Um, he had a couple of rim challenges late uh, against yeah. I think Pascal. I mean, he's, and I he's good at being well. big. He is good at being big. That is true. Yeah. And that's all they're going to ask him to do. Yeah. Um, so... Maybe not when Nurkic is on the floor because Nurkic, again, good in DHO situations, mm-hmm. good at passing. We saw him a couple times take that short roll pass and immediately take Yak into the post with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but if it's a guy like Drew Eubanks on the floor and the, the bad outcome of trapping Devin Booker is Drew Eubanks has a four on three right. with like met and Utah or Jordan Goodwin coming off a of DHO yeah. or something like that. You're going to take your chances with that a little more often. So I don't think it's something that they're going to do a ton of. I don't think this is a signal that suddenly they're going to go back to trapping a bunch. They've done a, a pretty good job defensively so far. Of course they can do better, um, but they're around a top 10 defense right now. So um, I think this is something that they'll probably be selective when an opponent has like a, a, Superstar offensive player and the pieces around him in that lineup yeah. are just not there. Like, yeah. you know, Cade Bates, the up. Like, it's funny to point to these guys and be like, yeah, those guys aren't going to punish you when, like, every one of the five bench guys that the Suns played yesterday. Oh, I would love to have as part of the Raptors bench. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, but like, and, and this is why like the Scotty and bench lineups have been so difficult, right? And, and they were actually good last night. We'll we'll circle back to that. But it's the same logic, which is if you only have to worry about one guy on the floor and you are willing to, hey, if they four on three with the other guys, we'll live with that. That's what the Raptors are, are thinking here. So, again, I don't think we're going to see this rolled out every time they play a superstar, no matter who's on the floor, but match up selectively they're a team that still has all that length that they trapped with last year. They're a team that still has all that speed and recoverability, um, so it should still be in the bag. Um, Devin Booker commented on it afterwards. He got asked about OG and Scotty defensively, and he said they're big, athletic, versatile, and trap a lot, but he quickly pivoted To give credit to Darko Mm. for what the Raptors were able to do yesterday. And he said he called them underrated and then said Darko knows what he's doing over there. I've been a fan of him since we crossed paths when he was coaching with us. He's a highly intelligent mind for the game. So uh, Booker was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And like maybe that's a little bit of you don't want to give the guy who turned the tap off on you too much credit. So you deflected to the coach. But that's a superstar level offensive player tipping his hat to how Darko was able to limit his his offense.
0: Yeah, and listen, I think um, so. Darko was only in Phoenix for that one year, right? Ronnie Williams, um, when he joined the Suns, he wanted to bring Darko in uh, because I think they knew each other from OKC in Billy Donovan's staff. And in that year, Darko was in charge of the offense uh, for Phoenix. And whatever the 1920 Phoenix Suns are not going to be remembered too fondly. Like there were 34 and 39. couple of things that did stand out. I don't know if this is why you're laughing, but um, they did have the career year from Aaron Baines that led to the Raptors signing Aaron Baines. Um, that year, Darko's offense, I would say, uh, was able to produce 11.5 points per game from Aaron Baines, which I felt like that's what the Raptors got in about a week.
1: Man, I had completely forgot that Ricky Rubio played for the
0: Suns. Ricky Rubio was on the Suns, that team. And the Suns that year, even offensively, they were just okay. Like 12th, 12th in the league is, is whatever. But they were number one in the league in assists that year. Hmm. And it really did have similar properties to sort of how the Raptors are trying to run their offense. Now, of course, they had Ruby Booker. And man. they also had Ricky Rubio. And they also, you know, had a couple of like, totally different pieces. But ultimately, like, that actually did help form a lot of the foundation. For the Suns, who have been a really successful franchise since that point, they've also made some great trades to get, you know, Chris Paul, and Kevin Durant. We don't have to go over. It. Bradley Beal, of course. But, yeah, I mean, you know, shots to Darko, man. Big, uh, big game for Darko yesterday as well. I, I like that move. Um, I guess last thing, because I, I mean, we have to talk about this too before we pivot over to uh, more breaking developments in,
1: yeah. in the Knicks. I mean, we could save the Knicks the stuff Raptors. for the fourth segment too if need be, but uh, yeah, there's some more nonsense coming out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're also going to get a, a behind the scenes look with Savannah Hamilton as well in segment two. So we'll talk more about the Suns there, but um, we got to talk about Scotty. Yeah. What a game. I mean, we have the jersey hung up behind you. Um, Scotty Barnes, I thought, in the second half just completely took over. Fourth quarter in particular scored 12, I believe, of the Raptors. Uh, how, how many points the Raptors have in the fourth quarter? 26. 26, yeah. So basically half their points in the fourth quarter. There was a great clip that uh, the score shared where it was a play, I believe, in the third where – Scotty was defending on the ball against Kevin Durant the ball swung around it got to like I think Utah was cutting in from the weak side Scotty rotates over blocks the shot there's like two guys dive for the ball Scotty recovers the shot pushes all the way up the floor generates an open shot for a teammate the shot doesn't go up uh, or it doesn't go in he, he grabs the board he grabs the board he puts it back in and it's like the amount of energy and extra efforts you saw within like probably a 30-second span like I loved his intensity last night. What did you see from Scotty Barnes?
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I love that. I I appreciate him seeing pregame. Look, Yuta stiffed Will, and I know they talked a little bit before the game, but I've made a mental note, and if Utah comes anywhere near this rim, he's mine. Uh, He he had your back. Um, The thing that really stood out to me most is – The timing of when he turned it on, I know the sequence you're talking about is from the third quarter, uh, but the Raptors had a lead heading into the fourth, and they rolled the dice with the Scottie and Bench unit. Mm, We didn't see that at all against the Nets. We didn't see it in the first half of this one, and I call that a dice roll because we have almost a 100-minute sample of those combinations like getting rolled this year, and as we've talked about, that's not a knock on Scottie. That's a a personnel and and fit issue, And, and like we said, the only people who can sustain those type of bench lineups, especially on not a great team, our superstar level players. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at it and, and the Raptors are up. What, I think they were up six at that point. I'm like, man, this is so risky to go back to a unit that has rarely worked and Booker's on the floor. Like Devin Booker and Eric Gordon were on the floor for the Suns, So they only had a couple bench guys in. And that was when Scotty was just like, bang, pull up three in transition. Um, I forget what else he did in that sequence, but he had a number of big plays during that stretch mm-hmm. and it's uh I don't know, it's just such a such a big Oh, he had the one where he took it at uh Keita Bates' Diop as well. Um Precious ended up traveling, but he he broke down the defense and set up Pascal mm-hmm. there. Um there was just a lot. He um yeah, he had great defensive plays there. He set up Precious for the and one. Um or he took it off a pressure screen. Anyway, I'm mixing up my quarters here. But the point is, it was a risky lineup. It was a lineup that has not done particularly well against stiff competition. And Scottie just completely rendered that lineup imbalance moot. They actually won those minutes. Uh, they lost the minutes back when Scottie came out for his usual fourth quarter breather. And they yeah, went uh, they OG, went OG, plus, OG plus the bench. Come on. For hardcore. like three possessions, and they were a minus no. six. Yeah, um, no, but no. yeah, and, and look, that's... Some of that is shot making, right? Scottie knocks down the pull-up. Three in transitions, Scotty has the N one. Precious hit a three in that stretch to put up eleven. Yeah. yeah. But he did that. He was the leader. And yeah, it was, was absolutely a this is my unit. This is my time. I'm taking we're not giving those points back right now. Put yeah. Kevin Durant back on the floor because you're not gonna survive if you don't. Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot. And I I mean I also like the tongue in cheek after the game. The he uh, I I don't know, I guess I got that dog in me, I guess, but uh Yeah, I mean, we've seen this a couple times Uh, now where like fourth quarter Scotty Barnes is a thing. He does have that ability to recognize the game situation, recognize that that's needed from him from his teammates and and really turn it on. And I think I don't think he's going to be able to do that every time they run a Scotty and bench unit out there. But I love the mentality that he showed during that stretch. And really that carried over to the rest of his fourth quarter, I think. It was excellent. I, I
0: think that it's funny because, you know, we've always detailed, like, why it's difficult. Obviously, you put any star with four bench players, you're probably going to struggle. But I also think that, you know, Scotty shows that he can single handedly, like, raise the level. And some of it comes down to engagement. Some of it comes down to how do you get that consistency for four quarters. I, I believe actually there was a the clip from Darko Ryakovic post game where he was asked a question about why can't Scotty provide what he does in the fourth quarter over the course of a full game. And this is what Darko had to say about that.
2: it's, it's- 48 minutes game for sure. We would like Scotty to be on non-stop um, every every player, you know. But uh, we're constantly addressing that with him that we need that we need him like that in the first quarter and the second quarter and the third quarter. But it's just like when the game is on the line, like you ha- you have uh, players and and Scotty is one of those guys. You just see in his eyes that he is like ultra focused and ready. He he loves the moment. He is embracing the moment and he's ready to go out there and and do whatever it takes. Is that assist? Is that the offense? Defensive rebound is that the a shot he's just like uh doing amazing job they're really proud of him today
0: yeah that focus i think that dark was speaking about um and the ability to make those plays i think that's what obviously makes scotty special is that like i remember i think maybe you and i were on like the mismatch with koc or something like that and he was asking us to explain this is like back in scotty's rookie season he was breaking out maybe december around that time and you were asking us to explain the Scotty Barnes thing. We were like, I, I think one of my answers to him was just the way to understand Scotty is he could actually do anything on the court. It's like, it's like the consistency sometimes is not always there, but he actually has the ability to make all those plays. And that's the most impressive thing to me in the fourth quarter. He had great dimes for, for great uh, baskets. He hit the three when he needed to, he hit the key free throws when he needed to. Eight for eight at the line. He was, yeah, excellent at rebounding the ball, going super hard at that Suns team, pushing it in transition. And you know, half, uh, you know, like a half court kind of bucket as well. And also giving you on the defensive end too. So I think, I think, yeah, I mean it would be great to get that for four quarters. Sure. That, we would have like the best player in the league. Yeah. If and
1: did. if you got that for four quarters last night, like what he did in the fourth, he would have had like 48 points, 12 assists and like 10 blocks. Like, I mean, listen, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be great. Let's, let's get a wilt stat line in there.
1: Yeah. Look, I think this is the challenge of growing into a superstar, right? And um, you know, some of it is skill progression and taking that to the, to the next level. Some of it is, you know, y- establishing that, Hey, even if I don't have it on a certain night, I'm going to bring defense. I'm going to bring playmaking. And I think Scotty with, with one or two exceptions, like I, I thought he played pretty poorly in the Nets game. Yeah. But for the most part this season, he has at least established if it's not a scoring night, he's still making plays in transition. He's still having his be- like taking a big step forward defensively this year. That's part of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Part of the challenge is also, like we've talked about and like he's kind of talked about now, of like, yeah, some teams are starting to adjust to the fact that he has a jumper. And Scotty seems to kind of take it personal if they don't. And he's like, all right, I'll take it. Um, but if they do adjust, that's more opportunity for him to drive. So now there's a, you know, the next step for him is like, okay, when I get that attention, what do I do with it? And a big part of the challenge for any star player in their second year, in their third year, in their fourth year, until you're like really established as a consistent top guy is every night you're going to see something a little different from defenses. You're going to, I mean, last night's game was physical, man. And oh, yeah. I I really appreciated that. The refs established early that it was going to be a physical game, and I know there were some, there were a handful of times where you know the Raptors were looking, where's the call? They let them be physical with Durant and Booker, which is going to benefit the Raptors more often that. than it hurts I them, I think, that. because yeah. the Raptors have big physical defenders. So that's the kind of game the Raptors should win. But that is also a, a learning challenge, right? It's like, okay, tonight it's going to be, you know, the the Nets are more about gapping and manipulating space and protecting the rim how do i adjust to that and then the very next night i'm seeing more physicality i'm seeing a second body how do i adjust to that i'm number one on the scouting report how do i adjust to that and i don't think it's realistic yet for scotty barnes to do that all 82 games for him to even do it all 38 minutes that he plays right i think what you're looking for is a he's established that floor that he doesn't have Bad nights. He has off nights where he impacts in different ways, but he's had maybe two or three rough games on the season. Um, And then the next level is, you know, if I can give you 10 good minutes in the fourth quarter, how do I extend that to, you know, 14 of my 38 minutes were takeover. Like I had two takeover stretches instead of just the one. Mm -hmm. And just slowly building that up to where you're at that level every single time. I just don't think it's realistic to, you know, I mean, really expect that from anyone over the course of 38 minutes and 82 games. But really, it's a big challenge for a young guy who, this is only the first time that he's been the guy, right? Like, he's only 20 games into that. Yeah. And I think what's 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 good
0: about the performance yesterday, too, was I thought, start of the game, Pascal really got them going great in the first quarter. I thought Dennis and Yaka and, and provided a lot of secondary scoring through their pick-and-roll work. I think Dark was starting to use them a little bit more with the bench. So I appreciate when With, Darko steals our yeah, ideas. Which it
1: makes sense, right? Uh, like, hey, the bench can't but, score. Well, if you have Dennis yeah. Jakob as a like you can build a bench level offense around one really good pick and roll combination.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you had Scotty taking it home. And of course, OG was just kind of solid throughout. Um like I you need that you need a team to win. You needed a team to get that result last night, which was great. Uh before we break, though, some more developments in the oh, yeah this ongoing uh, lawsuit where the Knicks are suing the Raptors. Um, You know, this is a great piece by Baxter Holmes. Uh, Hopefully we can get him on the show maybe next week to discuss about uh, the details of the case and sort of like, you know, I think what's difficult for a lot of people to process in this case is like, how much of this is the Knicks being petty and how much of this is like, maybe the Raptors actually did something wrong. And it's hard to know that without talking to enough people um, around the league who can, offer their direct insight into what the significance of this case is. And I think that's what Baxter did in this recent story uh, where the headline is excellent, by the way, up on ESPN quote, this isn't the 11 herbs and spices <laughs> inside the unprecedented Knicks Raptors lawsuit. But like you were able to read
1: the story. What, what's the, what's the new details? Yeah. I here? was able to dust off, you know, my old LSAT score and sit oh, down okay. with that. And no, I um, need you with that look, to compete. basically, I mean, the high-level takeaway is that the Raptors and people around the league think this is silly enough that the Raptors might just send Garrett Temple and be like, "Here you go, you're your first chair in in the defense in this one. Get your reps in." Uh, um, but it basically comes down to this: the key okay. crux of the argument in court and. Baxter talked to not only Eastern and Western Conference executives off the record. He went through all the legal filings. He also talked to a couple of sports law, a sports law professor, someone in the legal and like the practicing side of the legal industry. So he got a lot of people chipping in their opinions on here. And the crux of what the Knicks are going to have to prove and what the Raptors are going to have to argue against is was this information confidential? And the Knicks are saying. Yes, of course it was. The Raptors are saying, no, of course it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then the legal experts that Baxter has talked to, at least, are saying, basically, well, one, Azatam is alleged to have done this while still using his active Knicks login. Okay. So if you still have an active login, maybe this is on the Knicks to just, like, like you obviously weren't protecting that information. But the more important thing is, is something like a scouting report actually like can you claim ownership of that mm-hmm. because as a tam could have just as well watched the film himself put it in a email to himself and like that's not you don't have ownership over that it just happens to be that it's on a program now a lot of the people that baxter spoke to have said the same things as us which is that if this is really just synergy like everyone has synergy and there's a great paraphrasing of the raptors response so the, this worked out the knicks this is the other wrinkle. is The Knicks sent the Raptors a letter on a Monday in August. The Raptors had four days to respond. They basically responded immediately. And it was only six sentences, allegedly, their response to this memo. Um, and in part of it, it said that the Raptors have no interest in any information that the Knicks described. Uh, so, yeah. Um, there are some other weird yeah. things that, like, the, the Knicks sent this memo to the Raptors and then the Raptors responded, but by the next business day, the Knicks had filed the lawsuit. So clearly, they were not—they were already expecting to file the yeah, lawsuit. Yeah. But also, they went from asking for five million to then arguing that well, the NBA can't navigate this because ten million is the maximum fine in the NBA, and we think this is worth ten million. Um, in the initial memo to the Raptors, they didn't accuse Darko and other people of asking as attempt to do this. Mm-hmm. They added that at the last minute to their legal filing. And according to Baxter, the defendants on the Raptor side didn't even find out that they were named as defendants in this until it hit the media. Mm -hmm. So the Knicks are doing a bunch of Knicks stuff here. I think the main thing to take away, and this is a quote from a, a sports law professor at Seton Hall, I don't really see a clear strategy. I think the attention is the desired outcome. Okay. There are people on the Eastern Conference and Western Conference side who agree. Say nobody is taking this lawsuit seriously. It's a middle finger from Dolan to Larry Tannenbaum.
0: Yeah, um, if the attention is what the stated goal is, and I think I guess we are falling for this trap. So I guess, I, I do, but all, I do the, attention, all the attention, all the attention is
1: just like negative about the Knicks and James Dolan.
0: Well, that's the funniest thing because um, you know Baxter Holmes in his story detailed a lot of the history between Masai and James Dolan. And I got to say, it's pretty one side of history. Uh, it goes back to the Carmelo trade, which was back when Masai took over in Denver. New uh, GM at that time has to deal with Carmelo wanting out, ends up fleecing the Knicks, uh, who ultimately never Hard. really reached their potential with uh, Melo, especially because they had no supporting cats because they traded all of those pieces for an expiring Mellow. by the way, that year. Um, then... Fast forward to 2013, the Knicks are coming off a winning season, but the Nets, they just traded for KG and Paul Pierce. So Masai gives them a call. It's like, hey, maybe you guys want to get, you know, a stretch center, someone compared to Dirk, a seven-footer, somebody who can, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> what, what, what can Barks do? Uh, hit some threes and make some questionable defensive decisions? Yeah, why Do you want Luke Cornett 1.0? Well, he's not even going to jump for the Cornett contest. Uh but then James Dolan ultimately agreeing to trade for Andrea Bernani, who turned out to be a lemon for them as well. Uh,
1: then you had... <laughs> turned out to be a lemon. The Raptors were like, you want to trade for this lemon? And then the <laughs> Knicks were like, ugh, why is this lemon sour?
0: <laughs> yeah, they must have not seen the uh, five, six, seven years of Andrea in Toronto. Uh, and then, obviously, the, the, the trade for Kyle Lowry, that really would have changed the trajectory of both franchises, because the Knicks really badly needed a point guard. But Dolan reportedly turned down that trade and said no because of the fact that he was already sensitive at that time to getting fleeced by Maasai. And so he said no. Meanwhile, he's trying to get Maasai. And that's the thing I forgot about. When Maasai was in contract negotiations last time around, this is like 2020 after the championship. And, you know, there's all the discussions of, you know, are the Raptors going to extend them? Obviously, they did extend them. But during that time, there was like, you know, maybe Washington jumping. Apparently, the Knicks jumped in. And the Knicks were very interested in Maasai. So... I don't know. It's one. It's really one side of history, is what I'm trying to say. So when you bring more attention to one side of history, uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah,
1: I, I think the the takeaway here is that I mean that James Dolan is hilarious. Um, like, this is all like, hey, the memo we sent the Raptors threatening them and asking for all these things was way different than what we actually filed in court. We're saying one thing to the courts, one thing to the NBA. Uh, we're clearly doing this out of spite, whether it's Masai or Larry Tannenbaum or Adam Silver, whatever. There have been a number of things that's like, yeah, sure. this is a spite lawsuit. Um, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And, you know, the Raptors have uh, have to file again December 11th. They have to respond to the latest Knicks motion. Um I wonder if, like, there doesn't seem to be any chance of settling this. The Uh, Knicks are too far dug in at this point. Like, I'm kind of hoping this actually does go to court now and, and so we can get a judge's ruling on just how silly this is.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, once if it doesn't actually ultimately land on Adam Silver's desk, then this whole thing is all just monetary. Yeah. And if some rich people have to give some money to some other rich people, it doesn't really matter. If it was draft picks,
1: I would be concerned. And I, I really not. do think that is the smoking gun of this is a personal and attention thing, yeah. not a basketball thing. Because if it was a basketball thing, you would want the picks. Exactly. You would want like when um, there was a, a hacking scandal in Major League Baseball mm. between the Cardinals and the Astros, and it cost them $2 million in fines. And they were also, I don't think they sent the picks the other way, but they were docked a bunch of picks. Mm. Even then, the Knicks could be like, well, that's a win for us. They're in our division. Takes picks away from a a division rival and a team we don't like. Um, If this was about the actual basketball side, they would have kept this in-house so they could try to get draft restitution for it. Um, It's all, I don't know. Look, the other thing is, Raptors, if you need, call me as a witness. I'll walk everyone in the courtroom (laughs) through what you can do in synergy. I still have like... Synergy, don't listen to this. I'm not supposed to have a login still, oh, and I can still be in place. there getting. I will walk the court through how even someone in my position uh, can can get all the stuff the Raptors are ha- alleged to have stolen from the Knicks kitchen. The the eleven pick and rolls, uh, as it were. The eleven, the eleven
0: dribbles and step back jumper of Julius Randle, which we will see on Friday. Uh, but yeah. we are going to take what, a break. You
1: want? What do we want to go? The four for eleven spices. Ooh. More is good? Where's a good percentage for him?
0: Uh, we're going to take that break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
3: Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the Raptors show on the sports radio network. I'm your host. I'm to be joined by Blake Murphy. And we are joined by Savannah Hamilton, who uh, I had the great pleasure of watching the Raptors defeating the sun's with in the booth last night. Savannah, how are you doing? Are, are your, your drums okay after all the complaining I did to the officiating. <laughs>
3: Remember what I said, I was like, uh, you offered me uh, the patty that you had. And I said, listen, this is going to just compensate for tomorrow's guest appearance on the Raptors show. So uh, my eardrums will survive because of that.
0: Yeah, that is how we uh, that is how we um, pay our guests. If we do end up paying our guests is a patty. So uh, Dennis Schroeder, when you come up after this uh, next break, uh, you, you know that Dennis also received a patty from the game. Honestly, this is the thing that uh, is inside media. Maybe this is something for fans who want to go to the game. Um, The way to get food before the game is just to go in the (laughs) concourse of Union Station. Do not eat it inside the building, guys. (laughs) But they can't leave like we can. You're right. You're right. We can actually walk out, get the food, and come back in. But Because basically what you're saying privileges. is eat before
1: you come. It doesn't really matter where yeah, you Yeah, eat. exactly. Exactly. That's the whole point. We're, we got to be there like three hours before the game, so that's different. By the way, so, one last inside basketball yeah. media thing, Sav. So when we went to the full shot of you, it showed Alex's book, and he's sitting here with, like, pancake in his mouth, but did the, like, Leo meme of, of pointing at it. Um, so great, great placement uh, there. Uh, how are you doing, by the way? Because you would have been delayed – by this flight that the Raptors were delayed, you like you travel with the team when you're when you're on the road. Um, what happened there? How was that? How tired are you right now?
3: Yeah, you know I won't lie; it was a, a tiring night. Um, we are surviving though. I have lots of coffee, um, so it was actually very impressive. I was like just extra impressed with how the Raptors came out and performed um, because you know getting back pretty much to your place at five in the morning and then turning around and playing an NBA game is definitely not easy. It wasn't easy for me as media um, to like, you know, get myself up to be engaged. So uh, I can only imagine like what they were feeling, but sometimes, I don't know, There's there has to be some sort of like psychology behind playing better when you're tired or something, because maybe you, maybe you intentionally lock in just a little bit more knowing that you're overcoming something else too. So anyways, I'm not a doctor, so I can't <laughs> speak to that. But uh, it's but, very but interesting. But you, that, uh, you I'm did play. Well. Like,
1: I, I wonder, like, what was huh? your experience with that? Like, I mean, you sports are probably on the, the buses and stuff like that instead of <laughs> yeah, I, don't, uh, I don't know if they tr- chartered the whole, uh, whole plane.
0: As but, that's what happened in this case.
1: Yeah, I mean, I asked you not only because you were on it, but you do have the experience of, like, playing in, in different situations. It, it's, it's different if, you know, Will and Alex show up tired for a pickup run versus what you have experienced if you show up tired in exam season for a game or something.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, having to rack my brain and go back there. Yeah, it was it was a grind, especially for women's basketball. Like we had 6 a.m. practices or like 7 a.m. hill runs. And then we have to play a tournament over the weekend. But you're right. It was like midterm. So the balancing act is always, 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 always tricky. But I feel like you just have to, like, literally, like, bunker down and just focus. Like, focus on literally the moment that's right in front of you because if you think too far ahead, you're gonna be like, I can't do this.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does remind me of those memes that went around because um, when you watch the Zion Williamson, like, uh, highlight tapes coming up in high school, they were all nuts. But then someone will point out be like, There's a grade nine kid in there that just came from biology class and now he's got to guard <laughs> Zion Williamson. So uh, being a student athlete uh, must have been insane. I wouldn't know I was uh, – I was barely even a student, let alone an athlete. so let's uh, let's get to yesterday's game. Uh, a, a great performance. Um, yeah. So Scotty was obviously the talk of the game. He was awesome. Post game, you know, Scotty gave the nice little quote of, you know, I guess I got that dog in me. Uh, well, two things. Number one, Savannah, what are you seeing new from Scotty this season in terms of him making this jump? And also, I'm curious from the media perspective, how is Scotty sort of evolved in that sense as well?
3: Yeah, I think the word is just intentional. Uh, I feel like this is something that we kind of talked about before. And I know, Will, we've talked about this even just at the games and stuff. Just he's very deliberate with everything he's doing. I think, you know, he was a ball of energy in his first season. Like he played with joy, as Darko would call it. Um, second season, we saw that sophomore slump happen. But he was still like, he was, he was he had some inconsistencies, but he had moments of like, he's still Scotty. Um, and this season has just been a lot more... That's just Scotty. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's been less inconsistencies been less games where you're like, oh, that was a bad game from him. Like, no. Nope. Um, even on his bad games, he's still doing intangible things. Um, defensively, especially he prides himself on defense. That's something that actually I was talking to OG and Anobi about. I asked him how many conversations he has with Scotty um in terms of like, de- like defense and how he's been growing in that sense. Um, and OG was like, Yeah, like we talk about. defense all the time he picks my brain on on certain things but honestly it's just scotty like that's what og say it's just him like he has that natural athletic ability and he has the the willingness to also want to defend and i think we're seeing that also translate on the offensive end he was very intentional with increasing increasing his three-point shooting percentage this year and even the types of three-point shots that you try to like you see him take they're they're good looks he's Mm. not forcing anything um and so I think that's what I'm seeing from Scotty this year that was different uh than last year. Not that he forced things like a lot last year, but he, he's just being a lot more deliberate and knowing that he is, you know, oftentimes still an option one, maybe an option two, but they're looking they're they're looking for him now. Like that he that's intentional. They they want to have the ball in his hands, taking that shot. So I think it's a mixture of this offense and as well as Scotty knows his expectations and is executing. Yeah,
1: yeah lo- looking for him and looking to him. There were stretches in that game where, you know, implicitly with the lineups or, or with how the flow was going, it's like, hey, Scotty, we need you right now we so not only looking for him but looking to him to kind of carry them and Sab, i saw some stuff after the game yesterday um and, and like everyone was obviously very happy with, with scotty barnes's performance but there were and darko got asked about that this there was a little bit of well like why can't he do that all game and you know i said earlier i don't, I don't think it's realistic to play at that level all game you'd have like 50 20 10 as a, as a stat line um but what is the challenge like for him now trying to expand that at least into more parts of the game instead of having a takeover fourth quarter you know maybe that's you have a stretch in the first half you have a stretch in the second half like that and there's a bigger imprint on the whole game obviously that's a challenge for any young player but but how does that challenge you know apply to to Scotty over the rest of the season do you think?
3: Well I think that's what's the the next level of separation between Scotty and Jason Tatum Jason Tatum, Knows that he has to play like that the entire game for the Boston Celtics to be where they are at right now. Scotty, and I'm not saying that, you know, not making excuses, but he is still young in his overall NBA career. Jason Tam has a lot more years than Scotty does in the league. So I think Scotty's still finding the, the the moments in the game. He knows that fourth quarter is crucial. Fourth quarter, you're winning or you're not. So he knows that it's up to him to score, to be that guy, to like put the team on his back and carry it all the way through. But when you're in the first quarter, you know, you might be playing a little bit more nice, but more conservative. You might be like, okay, let's just pass the ball. Let's facilitate. Cause don't forget Scotty's he's, a passing guard as well. Like he loves, he's great at his passes. So he's not a, you know, what they would call a greedy player or nothing. So I, I think he tries to balance that uh, in his own mind from purely observed observation, Um, between where do I insert myself and where do I make a play for my teammates because he calls himself a point forward. So that's that balance coming out right there. But fourth quarter time, it's crunch time. It's like, it's now or never. He's like, forget this. I'm going to put the team on my back. So I think that's the balance that we're seeing right now. But really what we need to see more of is him having that fourth quarter mentality from the jump from the first quarter so that they don't get into situations where they, where it is a tight game down the stretch. Let's see that in moments in the second quarter, in the third quarter, let's put teams away early. And I think, I think that's the balancing act as well as, um, you know, the, 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 the the experience level that he needs to get to, to recognize those situations of when he needs to be that guy. Versus when he needs to be more of a facilitator to get everybody involved. Cause when everyone's involved, everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you have double digit scoring nights from like six guys on the team. Like it's not a whole lot of complaining happening after that. So, but that's that that's a read. That's a that's a read that he has to make.
0: Yeah. Um, so that naturally goes into that conversation of who do you put with him? And I thought, you know, Darko's really been searching the last couple of games. He's tried a couple of different pieces. Uh, We've seen McDaniels come into the group now again uh, after he gave him the first shot to start the season. I think what's interesting is he doesn't really tend to choose Chris, and I feel like Chris has done really well. Like, even the Brooklyn game, right? Like, Precious came in, just made a bunch of mistakes, and he was like, you know what? I got to put Chris in the game. And Chris comes in and is really solid. The day after, I thought, okay, well, Chris is going to get his reward here. He's going to get in that rotation. He only gets three minutes last night. So, not even trying to create controversy, but I, I just think that, like, yeah, I mean, where is that right balance in terms of the minutes and the mix around a guy like Scotty who is asked to carry a lot of these bench groups?
3: That's a great question, Will. Um, I think, <laughs> That's
0: why you know, I'm asking rotations... This, Sam. I, I know your real answer here. It's all good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think rotations yeah. is something that Darko is still um, playing playing around with a little bit. I think he has more consistency in his mind of the direction. Mm-hmm. Um You know, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I'm not going to speak for him as to what exactly that is or what exactly that looks like. I am in the same train of thought as you, Will. To be quite honest, like I thought that Chris had a great game against Brooklyn, um, despite the fact that he only played. And correct me if I'm wrong. I know he played in the second quarter. He had like four points. Sorry, eight points in four minutes at one point Mm -hmm. in that game, um, coming off the bench. And then he only and he played a stretch in the fourth quarter. Correct? Yes. Um, early in the fourth. Yeah. So it's like I'm like that's hard to do if you're a player like and it's kind of like like what Malachi kind of had to deal with a little bit like last year not knowing when your minutes are coming or when they're not coming if there's a level of consistency of knowing when you're going to play or when you're not going to play, um you can almost mentally prepare for that so I almost give him a little extra credit and seeing that like there's some games where he has a DNP there's other games where he's like has a good stretch of minutes or something. But yeah, you know, I can't speak on exactly how the rotations are shaping out. Um, I thought Precious had a good game last night. I think it was a, a game that we needed to see from him. Um, and so it's it's tough when you have the balance of, you know, a veteran player versus young guys who you are trying to develop and are trying to give reps and increase their confidence so that they could become, you know, really strong assets for you going on in the future. So it's it's for, for Darko, like that's a balancing act and that's, you got to choose a direction for sure. And um, I think he's shaping it out.
1: Sav, you mentioned Precious had a, a really nice bounce back game it, coming off of maybe his worst, well, not maybe, it was his worst game of the season uh, against the Nets. Ten pretty bad minutes, got the early hook. Um, I told people to watch hockey when he Yeah. That um, uh, was bad. How do you – and maybe this isn't a Raptors and coaching staff and deployment thing. Maybe this is just on Precious, but this is year four. Um, what, do you, what is the path or what is the necessary change to get Precious playing with a little bit more consistency at this point? <laughs> it's the million-dollar um, question. We asked Devlin we started, the same thing last week. I, I
3: asked him that. Like.
1: <laughs> what Did he read his stat line back out to you? Was he like – uh, th- Yeah, that, th- six, was three the, blocks. that
3: was pretty much that stat line one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Was, was he being sassy um, in that answer? And also, just for context with that one, he was joking. Because I'll yeah, say okay. this for anybody yeah. who watched that back, it was actually a joke because him and I were joking before the cameras Not got you. turned on about like he loves ice baths. I hate ice baths when I was an athlete. Uh-huh. And so we we're just kind of like joking about that situation. And then it just got translated to camera with the stat line thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, here we go. No yeah. one's going to get the context. But yeah, okay. um, anyway, so yeah, it's fine. So, Yeah, with him, though, when it comes to, like, um, uh, you know, that whole level of consistency, what we want to see from him, because you're right, Blake, he is in year four. Um, I don't think, like, the way that he was handled in Miami was maybe not necessarily fair to him. The fact that he wasn't even allowed to shoot a a single three-point shot, Um, and then he gets traded to Toronto, and, you know, we're not sure what we have in him, and we see glimpses of stuff, but then, once again, there's a little level of inconsistency in minutes, so... We're not sure, you know, what his role is. And he's also very much a hybrid player. And he talks a lot about wanting to be a strong defender. Um, but then we see sometimes we see lapses. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's just, once again, that's almost like the youth and inexperience coming out when I, see, when I see him like that. But then there's glimpses on offense where he's really strong. and You can almost see him, like, the potential to take over a game. Like, wow, this guy, like, the ceiling could potentially be really, really high with him. Um, I know having talked to him, though, like, he said that he works – overall on his game like you know he said that like he was a type of guy that would just go to the playground and not necessarily because I asked me do you hone in on something like what do you want to develop next and uh, he's like not just overall game in general I know that Darko mentioned he wants to see him being more aggressive um, on offense driving to the rim uh, kind of carving that side of his game out a little bit more, being a slasher. Um, and so I think, and I think that's also what he kind of leans to naturally. Whenever we see a lot of like a precious highlight, he's slashing to the rim. He's getting up, like he's dunking the ball. Yeah. Like I think play into that, develop that, become almost like an expert in that. And then let's talk about other aspects of what we can see from him. But I think right now it's almost like he's, I feel like he's almost caught up in a mix of like uh jack of all trades type of yeah, thing. Sure and it's not yeah. bad, but you want to specialize in
0: something got you Sav. this is great i mean if all it took was one patty to get you on the show uh, we will be i will be making that two dollar investment at a union station near you <laughs> so okay. does,
3: does dennis get two patties
0: as gets, many as he wants he gets a lot of patties let's just say that but uh we're gonna cut away thank you savannah appreciate you and uh yeah we're gonna take another break here been your host will You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. When we come back, Dennis Schroeder, weekly appearance. Can't wait to ask him about, you know, the tough celebration or whatever.
3: Breaking down the tough stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportside Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Lou, continually joined by co host Blake Murphy. We are waiting anxiously for Dennis Schroeder to join us on the line.
1: While we wait, did you see the the graphic that I tweeted out yesterday of the history Dennis joined? No. Wait, hold on. Dennis, let, let me hear it. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder had 12 assists and zero turnovers yesterday. He's He has 21 and zero over his last two games. Uh, but I looked up how many times has 12 assists, zero turnovers happened in Raptors history. Yeah. Um, it turns out uh, a lot. Um, we Jose, didn't Jose Calderon. Jose Calderon, <laughs> didn't had, uh, Jose Calderon did it eight times. Uh, but here are the other names who have sure. done it. Yeah. Damon Stoudemire, uh-huh. Kyle Lowry, yeah. Alvin Williams. All right. Scotty Barnes had one at the end of last year. Nice, nice. Okay. Fred VanVleet. Uh huh. And Charles Oakley. No. Wow. November on Remembrance Day, two thousand. Yeah. Charles Oakley was like, "Here's a stat line. None of you will remember. I had twelve assists. Good. good zero for, turnovers. Good for Oak, man. Um, I feel like we've been really blessed with great point
0: guards in our, in our franchise history. When you go back through that list, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually really happy with, like, having watched the majority of those. Obviously, I, I came in a little later, past oh. the
1: Oakley phase. But Yeah, I mean, you know. you know how I feel about Jose Calderon. He's, like, my all-time favorite you literally Raptor, did, you Raptor until, like until, after, until right? they got good. Yeah. I, 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 my, my other favorite
0: was the, the other half of that Pick and Roll combo was Amir Johnson for me. Loved Amir. Um, no, so preparing for this uh, Dennis interview, so um, he, he puts out his vlog each week mm-hmm. and if if also saw anyone, we're like go watch dennis's vlog because dennis has plenty of viewers on this vlog it's it's like us plugging like go listen to taylor swift or something um but i was watching the vlog last week and you and i appeared in the vlog yeah yeah not appeared physically I, no but, but you know we were in our interview with him last week i think it was also on a thursday um yeah you know we were in his vlog which was really quite nice to see. Um, it's also just great detail to get into his life. Apparently, he wants to go to
1: the aquarium with his family today. Here's my scoop. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis, please call us so we don't have to talk about this. Well, don't put it out there because people are going to show up. No, it's it's, it's in the vlog. It's, it's yeah, what it is, I know. You know? Yeah. Um, so. The, uh, the aquarium is great. The aquarium is great. It is like <laughs> Dennis. Please call us. He has kids, man. Yeah, you're right. You're it is right, gonna right. be. It's gonna be fun for him. Like I, my nephew's almost three. Like that's the uh-huh. the first thing I'm doing when he's, you know, I don't know. Can they? Can you throw a three year old on the bus to Toronto? That's too young, right? That's a little. That's a little too young. Okay. By themselves? Yeah, it's a little too young. What's yeah.
0: the youngest that you've been when you were your parents left you home or like made you take the bus alone?
1: Or- I was like eight or nine, and I flew to Newfoundland by myself. Oh, but like, there's like like there's... my parents this was when like security was a little more lax, and my Got parents you. could like walk me to the gate, but like I was on the plane by myself, and like uh, yeah, I don't know the the flight attendants just take really nice care of you, and yeah, yeah, so that I guess are you
0: Alex is choking, Alex is choking, man, he's like, well, you guys are choking on the show, that's why he's choking, Dennis, please call us, um, yeah, on that subject, so I remember the first time. Uh, I went on a plane alone. My parents sent me on a plane to China to see my grandparents after we had immigrated to Toronto. And it was, like, a 16-hour flight. And obviously it was, like, you know, I was, like, I don't know, nine, ten years old. It was a very teary goodbye. And um, as soon as I got on the plane, though, I was like, yo, this is, like, every child's dream. You can have unlimited, like, chips and pop, and you're just watching uh, Rush Hour the whole way through, It was awesome. Did you just uh, watch it like five times? I'm not even kidding. I did not sleep for the whole 16-hour flight back to Beijing. But uh, anyway, thankfully, Dennis Schroeder is joining us on the line, so we have to stop filling time with our (laughs) mundane stories about life. Dennis, big win last night. I feel like you're timing all these wins uh, in in time for these appearances, man, because we we always got great things to ask you.
4: Yeah, uh, I was thinking about the same thing. (laughs) Every time when I joined the show... Uh, we, you know, get a W a big one against a good team yeah. and, um, I'm glad we, we got that one.
0: Yeah. Um, you say that as if you didn't have the game-clinching bucket at the end, you know?
4: Uh, <laughs> I, mean, w- I played terrible though before, uh, didn't make a shot. I mean, of course, uh, you know, Pascal Siakam, OG, Scotty, they did a great job of, you know, uh Jaco Perto, um, the people off the bench, uh, Precious did a great job. Um, GT, um, everybody, you know, contributed, I think, for this win, uh, to this win. And, uh, that's how it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, but it's the thing. You're on the show right now. And so we got to ask you to take us through that final play. Because uh, it was, for people who don't remember, it was, I think, 108 to 105 for Toronto. You guys had the ball, but there was enough time for Phoenix to get the ball back. So you guys need to score, because obviously Katie and Booker on the other side. And you ended up getting the layup around Yusuf Nurkic. I believe you had the ball the whole possession. Just take us through what, what happened on that play.
4: Yeah, coach wanted an uh, angle five. I mean, just to pick a pick and O with me and Yach, uh, uh, I think. Um, so he set a good screen. You know, I waste the big uh, Nurkic, and um, they switched. And I wanted to pass it out to Pascal Siakam, but um, he had no really mismatch on him, so... You know, um, I was just confident uh, in myself playing against the big, um, Yusuf Nurkic. You know, I seen him a couple of times uh, in the national team as well. And um, I mean, I just, you know, took him one on one and uh, gladly I made the, butt- the bucket.
1: So, Dennis, you have Nurkic in that situation and you drive, and that was the play where you kind of did the little Steve Nash move where you bring the big out with you out the other side of the lane. When you're doing that, you know, sometimes we'll see a point guard make a pass out of that sometimes the like quick stop and and try to just like use the rim as protection from the big. What do you, what are you looking for in the big when you're going through that move? Like, what is your signal that like, Hey, I've got a pass here. I should shoot here or not. I should bring them out and one-on-one against them.
4: Yeah. I mean, uh, in the first half I had a similar play and uh, you know, I I didn't even hit the rim. So I was like, okay, (laughs) let me just, you know, be patient and uh, dribble it out and see uh, if we got like a mismatch, Um, and I seen Yusuf Nurkic, you know, kept going with me and uh, was a one-on-one play, mismatch, and uh, I was comfortable, you know, um, playing against him and, uh, you know, just took it out, took my time, um, was patient, and, uh, yeah, scored. Yeah.
0: Um, Another big play. I mean, I know you said you struggled, but I would say one of my favorite plays of last night was, uh, I think Yak got a block in the third quarter. You guys got out on the break. Mm -hmm. You had the ball. (laughs) And you threw a nutmeg bounce pass between KD's legs to Pascal for the breakaway. Uh, Take us through that. Did you intend to, like, was that your, like, you were thinking in your mind, like, yeah, the only way to get this pass through is to nutmeg KD? Of course.
4: (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean, it was a hell of a play by Yak. you know, getting that rejection. Um, I got the rebound, you know, it's just... running out you want to play with pace and um i mean i seen uh you know i i think it was old Koshi and uh you know kevin Durand, um running back and uh, i was like okay if i pass it you know just down below it might be a kick ball goes through and uh that was my thought process you know um on that play and uh after after the game, uh, I seen on my Instagram, you know, people tagged me and it went through his legs. I didn't even see it at first. Oh, okay. And, uh, um, yeah, it was uh, a was, uh, big-time play.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that was really nice. Um, so, Blake had the stat here uh, for you. So, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so you had 12 assists and zero turnovers yesterday. You have 21 assists and zero turnovers over the last two games. I know you were a little critical of yourself there with, you know, the shooting percentage last night and maybe the last two games. But when you see a stat like that, if you look at the box score after the game, you see such a big assist total and zero turnovers. Um, you know, how much does that weigh into how you're evaluating your own game? Because that's a, that's a pretty rare thing to be setting teammates up that much without coughing up the ball.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, try to be, you know, um, start my role, you know, try to, like, find my teammates. Um, we got so much talent in that, you know, locker room um i think i gotta set the tone of you know leading the team making sure everybody get in their white right spots getting the right shots we want to take and um i think when we play defense and you know go out and run and transition i think it's really really hard to stop us and um we showed it you know in different uh type of games sometimes not for 48 minutes but i mean uh we showed that we can you know um stick with like good teams and um I think that's uh, that's what um, our identity is about and uh, how we got to play as a unit. And of course, I mean, it's a great stat line. But at the end of the day, I just try to make the right play. You know, I just try to uh, make it simple for our team and I don't want to force anything. I'm a basketball player who, you know, loves to play the game the right way and um, don't want to force anything. Of course, I'm going to be aggressive still. But, um, I mean, the last couple of games, you know, I didn't, I mean, shoot it well, but I know that I can, you know, impact the game um, a different way if it's defense, you know, or uh, facilitating and um, just impact winning. And that's what I've been, you know, doing my whole career and, um, you know, try to get better at it.
0: Yeah. Um, Dennis, I think one thing that's interesting um, is it feels like the Raptors this year, you guys have really stepped up against, like, better teams. Like, anytime we're like, on the show where I like asked about before the game, like, can the Raptors beat the Suns? You know, they got Katie over there. They got Devin Booker over there. They're coming off a of back to back. The, the plane landed at 4 a.m. after you guys had to get a different plane to come home. You know, they've been just chilling and they're winning, you know, they won seven in a row. And It's those exact type of games. I think it was earlier in the season, too. Raptors lost three straight and then Milwaukee's coming to town. It's Giannis and Dame. You know, what can you guys do? You guys seem to play better in those kind of games. Why do you think that is?
4: I don't know uh, but that's that's uh, we can't you know keep doing this during this uh season. Um I think it's uh still early in the season but we got to make sure that we come out the right way every single game not just against the you know the good teams. And um I think uh, it's coming along together really nicely. Um I think uh, everybody you know kind of believing in their system try to you know um get to know coach get to know the players and i think um i mean how we moving the ball we get 25 plus assists every single game uh don't want to jinx myself or us but i mean you know uh, it's been great how we're moving the ball and um i think uh if we keep doing that and we believe in that system what coach brings um we're going to be even better and Uh, We got to do it for 48 minutes and we got to do it as a team. You know, Scotty Barnes, Pascal, OG, me, everybody in that locker room, we got to make sure that, you know, we bring it on the defensive end first and then um, share the ball on the offensive end. And um, it starts with me as a point guard, uh, setting up my teammates, of course. And um, I mean, it takes the star players as well.
1: So obviously you, you mentioned, you know, the defensive side is, is a team first thing, but something that stands out to me when you beat these good teams or play well against them is that we, you guys have OG, right? And OG is, uh, is pretty good if you put him on Donovan Mitchell or, or Devin Booker or something like that. Um, how, now that you've played next to OG for 18, 19 games here, how well does he stack up with other elite defenders that you've played with in your career?
4: I mean, OG is so quiet, but, I mean, he is elite. I think the, one of the best uh, defenders um, I've seen in this league um, and as a teammate. I mean, he's just uh, always in the right spots, making it tough for, I mean, Luka Doncic, Halliburton um, uh, in Indiana, um, Donovan Mitchell. We didn't win that game, but, I mean, he made it hell for all these guys, you know, all the superstars in this league. Um, KD and Book last night. Um, and I told him that's elite. I mean, and I feel like we gotta win games. Um, and we gotta put him on the map for a defensive player of the year, you know. But I mean, in that case, we gotta we we gotta win games and we gotta make sure we get on the map for him, you know, to um even have that case to go out there and say, Oh, listen, we're winning games, he's locking up the best uh, players in the league and we winning games, you know, and, um, offensively, he brings so much, his shooting, his ability to cut, you know, playing unselfish and transition, um, sharing the ball. So, I mean, like I said, it's coming well together. And, um, for him, I told him that beginning of the season, he's got to go for defensive player of the year, but I mean, for that to happen, I think we got to win games and we got to, you know, be together as a team. And, uh, win games i think that's uh what the league is about and um and it's going to showcase you know even more how uh, elite of a defender he is
0: yeah um it's funny because i think most defenders they're really loud they get in your face you know like a patrick beverly type you know uh, marcus mark gets into your face you know draymond green will let you hear about it but OG's very very quiet very reserved he just he just quietly shuts you down i appreciate that approach you know yeah. it's, it's different
4: yeah um, he, he just he just get it done you he just get
0: it done. Uh, what didn't get it done was the plane. <laughs> the team played. So can, can you take us through what happened? Because all, all we heard was that uh, before the game, and I'm already thinking, again, KD and Booker on the other side, uh, I'm worried about this game. And then I hear about how, oh, man, we didn't get in until like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. What happened? Because you guys had to get a different plane to come out uh, yeah. of Brooklyn to back home.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, after the game, it was like, "Yo, we want to get out in 45 minutes." Everybody just shower, you know, yeah. and uh, get ready. Oh, I know to, they told you to hurry up. To That's for bus. sure. Yeah, they told me that. I was like, "Okay, I'm ready," because it's a back to back. playing you. Phoenix, you yeah. know, and I was like, "Okay," and then we showered, and then uh, he said, "Oh no, guys, never mind. Take your time. We got to like 11:30 or something. That was like an hour um, late," and he was like, "Oh, okay." And uh he said, Yeah, we can't fly uh with our plane. Uh we gotta, you know, get a new plane, whatever. I didn't know exactly what happened with our plane, but uh was complications, of course. And um it kept being later than the eleven thirty turns into twelve, then twelve thirty, um, then one and one fifteen, everybody's like, Wow, like um we should stay here and then fly in the morning. That's <laughs> what we thinking at that point, you know. And, yeah, sure. uh, um, but then, I mean, uh, we got it done. We, I think landed at like 4, 4.15. I was at home at like 4.45 and uh, 8, you know. And um, I mean, my kids, of course, wifey got up uh, to say hi. But then uh, we, we went to sleep and I uh, woke up at like 2.00. PM. Oh, okay. Have runs and, um, I mean, uh, maybe we, we we gotta always do that when we have that type of energy and have 44 deflections in a game on the defensive side. And yeah. uh, I mean, um, but we didn't make no excuses, you know. Uh, coach said that too. Don't make excuses. Just go out there, compete on the highest level and uh, get a W and that's what we did.
0: I feel, I feel like this is even harder for, for coaches because a guy like Darko, he might have just had like 10
1: coffees and just stayed up <laughs> overnight, you know? Like, I, <laughs> you know how much Darko loves those coffees. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you guys doing during all yeah. that time? The flight keeps getting delayed half an hour, 45 minutes, another 15 minutes. What are you guys doing during that time? Play <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it was a, yeah, it was it a was profitable, a profitable plane delay for you. It was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> Yo, Dennis, hold on. It was
0: perfect. Like, how? Okay. Since you came in the league, like, it feels like. Bure has just been, like, the go-to card game for NBA players, right? Do you know the history behind that? Like, where where did that come from and, like, why Bure in in particular?
4: You know, Shauncee Billups, uh, our OG, he was, like, the first guy to ever, you know, kind of play this game. And, um, I mean, I started when I got to OKC with uh, Russell Westbrook, PG, Raymond Felton, and there was, like, that kind of Bure group. And I used to play um, poker, you know, Texas Hold'em. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, like yeah. a, you know, patient game. You got to, you know, like, bluff, weeds, make mm-hmm. weeds. And um, after that, when I got to OKC and I, you know, get to know Bue, I I never stopped after that. You yeah. know, uh, that's like my, like my, I don't know uh, how to say it, but I, I love this game. You know, I can play that eight hours straight. <laughs> and um i mean it brings us together as well you know as a team we got five six players um kind of joking about you know like the game or what can we do better in the game mm-hmm. playing cards you know while doing it and um it's always great for team chemistry and um so you know i love it and uh i mean my teammates starting to love it like i do and uh we're gonna for sure keep it going
0: so so Who's uh? So who, first off, who's in the game right now for, on on the Raptors and and who is the worst player so far? If you had
4: to pick one, uh, I mean it's uh myself, is Malachi, is okay. Garrett Temple, uh, Thaddeus Young, and Chris Boucher. Okay. So. And Yak is always on the you know on the outside just looking in when <laughs> Yo, <they're> like <laughs> just bring him <them> in, <laughs> man. Come on, Yak. Yeah, I told him, I told him, Come on, man, this just uh you might as well just join. Yeah. And um out of Porter, you know, sometimes doing the same thing. Um, but the worst player is always tough. I mean, it's, it's 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 uh kind of luck, it's a bit luck, yeah, you know. Um but I mean, at the end of the day, you still gotta know how to play. And um, I know I'm not the worst. I can say that much. <laughs> um, but to put a name out here would be wrong.
1: Yeah, it's okay, man. We know it's Malachi. Um, we're, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna play this on the show one day, so we can teach everyone how to play. Me, Will, and Alex oh, are gonna uh, we gonna actually play. Need it. Yeah,
0: no, we actually need it. It's like
1: I'll take twenty bucks off you.
0: Okay, <laughs> all right, buddy. We'll see. Um, what else? Like, what else do I have here? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly. This is something that people always ask about, but, like, how do the players on the Raptors, like, you know, hang out? Like, are, are there cliques? Are there, like, these guys always hang out with each other? These guys always hang out with each other? Like, or is this sort of, like, a mix, you know? Because uh, people always want to know the, the, the behind-the-scenes dynamic of the group.
4: I mean the, the the five people I just uh mentioned I mean that's like the the card group mm. um of course I mean all the other guys been here long enough they always you know grab dinner and um be together but I want to make um a little bit more of a you know a team thing when we get to a different city um that you know we grab dinner yeah. uh we grab dinner with Cleveland uh with the whole organization but I want to make it like a routine, you know, I don't want to take people's time, but I think it's always great to sure. have the team chemistry and enjoy togetherness, you know, and, um, just being together and, uh, mm-hmm. that we, you know, go in a different city, just grab dinner, you know, um, coach paying for it. So it's free food. <laughs> oh, um, and then, uh, okay. go back to the hotel, get rest, you know, and, um, I think it's always great just to be around each other and, um, don't take the time for granted that we play in the best league in the world. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's uh, a big part of what we did with the national team as well. And I want to, you know, bring that here as well. Hey, uh,
1: go ahead. I wanted to ask about the national team because I saw you got your ring. You got that uh, that FIBA World Cup ring. Um, man, what was your impression of it? Can we see it? Do you, do you have it handy for us? Hold oh, no. on. <laughs> oh, it's within reach? Oh, oh. Yeah, it's right here, man. Yo, Come it wasn't on, even guys. planned. Damn. Okay, so a 23 in diamonds for 2023. What do we got? It We're looks like. Champion. Yeah. What about your MVP, bro? What about MVP? about MVP? <laughs> oh,
4: that's... Come on, now. I got ah. that too. Oh, my God. 17 goodness. right here. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable. Yo, Dennis, here's the thing. Yeah. I, I. Oh, yeah, there we go. MVP oh, on the whoa. side. So I remember it was a uh, Friday night after you guys beat the Bulls. Uh, the in-season black court was on the court and I I came downstairs and I saw a guy waiting with like two gigantic chains on (laughs) like two just absolutely gigantic chains and I was like who is this dude I never seen this guy in the arena before I don't think he's like friends and family maybe and then I see him walk over to you and hand you what you have in your hand there so tell us like who made the ring too because you know
4: I mean, that's Benny the Jeweler. He got you know a lot of artists, a lot of NBA players. Um, I've been knowing him, you know. Uh, I think like when I got to OKC, um, great guy, always taking care of his you know um, customers and um, treat them like family. So um, appreciate him doing that ring because that one is special. Yeah. Never gonna forget that moment. And um, now you know I got uh, this nice ring.
0: <laughs> you got you got to flex it around your teammates too, man especially some of the players that play international. You know?
4: But they might I mean, show you a rapper Pascal, ring. Pascal, he got, he got uh, that real wing in the NBA, too, you yeah. know, so uh, we want to get some of that, P- Pascal's too. got a G
1: League one, too. Oh, that's
4: right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I don't... too. Yeah. yeah. Somehow I don't he think the G
0: League ring yeah. was as valuable. It was not made by Benny the jeweler, but yeah. uh, I appreciate it. No, you, I, I
1: have a knockoff one at home. It wasn't as nice as that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dennis, we'll call you next week, buddy.
4: All right, man. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Dennis shooter.
1: Man, what a G. This guy just had the ring within his I wondered if he might, because like once we saw that it was like, okay, oh, like he, he's home now or whatever. Oh season
0: um, we joked about Smeagol and Deagle valuing the ring. But we got a we got a precious and we got the ring within his grasp, man. That was awesome. That was awesome from Dennis. Yeah,
1: that's a, and that's a nice like I didn't look Phoebus got a lot of money. Uh yeah, I yeah. did not expect the ring to be that nice. Well,
0: uh, listen, I mean, you know, um, I'm not familiar at all with the jewelry game. The closest I got was watching Uncut Gems, probably like six or seven times. And um, yeah, when I saw that man in real life, Benny, like, with, the, with the chains, I'm not kidding how large the chains. No, like, I saw it in the vlog. The, the two chains. It was, yeah, exactly. Oh, he's in the vlog. Perfect. Yeah, you can watch it there. But it was like, I was like, who is this man? Like, you can immediately tell that uh, he was different,
1: you know? Uncut Gems. Do you guys think that, and sorry, Alex, I know you're not on yet. but No, he's
0: uh, in whenever Uncut Gems is mentioned. Don't
1: worry. So, like, Testing. obviously that movie's not that old yet, but given the, like, expansion of gambling stuff, like, people actually know what a parlay is now oh. that he's going through. Do you think that movie we hits a story more now? This. Or, like, everyone's like, no, I
2: do this, like, once a week. People don't know that, um, you know, Uncut Gems is technically in the Raptors cinematic universe because Thad Young is in it. And now Thad Young's a member of the Toronto Raptors. There
0: you so. go. There you go. Yeah, Thad Young was uh, obviously part of that Game 7, 2012, between the Sixers and uh, yeah. the Boston Celtics. When, when Howie
2: died doing a parlay.
0: Well, we also bet on the jump ball, which I don't think Thad was involved in that jump ball. I believe it was Spencer Hawes.
2: I almost died. I almost died on a bet last night, too. Yeah, we know what?
0: We're going to talk about that after this break because Uncut Gems is going to become very topical Gamble responsibly. Uh, but we we're going to take this quick break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Night Radio Network. The vibes are so much better when they win.
3: The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real and born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, William Liu. It is the fourth quarter here on the show. So I'm joined by Blake Murphy and Alex Wong. We're going to finish strong after that Dennis interview. Big thanks to Dennis for joining us.
2: And yeah, I loving. Enjoy the aquarium. No, loving the segments, man. That's um with, with Dennis. Got
0: rapport. You know, previously, yesterday at the game. Yeah. We were just walking around. You know, I, so we saw him come on the court. You know, we just got a little tap. And i asked him you know, how's your knee yeah you got the knee-on-knee collision he said i'm gonna give it a go mm. you know and i respected the privacy because i didn't want to tweet
1: nothing about like
2: crazy journalism going on, on you know over there by you man
0: i just love access journalism my goal is now to become um actually never mind
1: actually yeah don't throw don't throw names out there because those are future <laughs> guests
2: you're about to you're
0: right. about to sewer yeah we're so, we're, uh, su-
2: we're still trying to get a few guys man but did you ask dennis to that? run a pick and roll with Jakob on the first play yesterday is the question.
0: uh listen I don't think uh, Dennis will need my specific advice. I think you gotta really know your place.
2: Chinese Darko Ryakovich. Yeah, you gotta know
0: your place where you can't I really hear. tell a coach or a player mm. how to do the whole basketball thing. But you just
2: gotta
1: but, know yourself to some
2: degree. To but be Blake, like, yesterday was a specific case. Like I needed this. I don't know if are you aware of the bet that I put down yesterday? Well, I'm aware because I I read the rundown. <laughs> One of us. One of you do. Um. Yeah. So I am.
1: I. We'll assume where the uh, the stake for the bet came from, what where that hundred dollars came from.
2: Yeah, so um, I don't think we're sharing too much. Like, we got a little credit um, to use here for yeah. for our for our sponsors from uh, Bet Rivers, and um, you decided to take a chance. I decided to take a chance and um, put a hundred dollars down yesterday, and um, one of the most exciting bets out there is who's going to score the first basket of the game. Um,
0: it's quite exciting. You mean chaotic? Because it's a little chaotic.
2: I mean, the adra- it's like
0: it's the ad- on either team.
2: The adrenaline rush that was flowing through me yesterday right, from from the booster and from the bet, um, yeah. like pre-game, like as Strizzy was making the intro, uh-huh. uh, was was incredible. Right. Like it was worth the $100. Um, anyways, I had decided to pick Jakob Pertl, yes. um, as the first basket score. Okay. And you as a uh, basketball knower, can you break down briefly what happened in the first 30 seconds of the game?
0: Uh, Yeah, so I remember, so we're in the
2: booth. um, Suns win the tip.
0: We're obviously yeah. really locked in because it's like mm, first yeah. bucket by by, other teams. by so the tip either team. So it really does matter in this yeah. case, right? For
2: the record, I would have won, I would have cashed out $900.
0: Yeah. Okay, the payout was going to be good. Yeah. Um, But obviously, a lot of variables comes in and kind of thing like yeah. that. So, first off, <laughs> this is a between the lines the, segment. The, <laughs> the Suns win the tip. What? Yusuf Nurkic outjumps Jakob for the tip.
2: Yeah, I'm shook. Yeah. And
0: you're already shook because it's like I'm now shook. the Suns get their first chance at it. I believe yeah. the ball went to Booker and he took a mid range jumper. OG with great defense.
2: Yeah. Contested the shot. Thank you, OG.
0: Got yeah. the miss, and now it's Raptor's ball. And Pascal
2: runs up court. It's a fast break, I believe. It's
0: like a semi-transition yeah. kind of fast break scenario. Yeah. And we're just like, look, most likely, if you were to come into this game, you'd probably run some pick and roll at Yusuf Nurkic. We mm-hmm. saw mm-hmm. that Jakob Proto, I think, I think, is like leading the league still in field goal percentage. Last night, eight of nine from the field. You'd probably want to run that Dennis-Jakob pick and roll. What do you call it? Uh, What do you call it? Wedge five?
2: Yeah, something like
0: that. Yeah, but, you know, just basically, like,
2: 1-5 pick and roll. Is that what I order, at Alouette? Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably.
0: And instead, I think they gave it to Pascal, and I think he missed it in the post. And hey, then, you were down so bad because you are like, okay, we missed that chance. However, now the Suns got to go back. And again, no buckets been scored yet.
1: I think the Suns missed another shot. Well, in a- it's worse than that. Because um, Booker tries to run on OG yeah. on that next possession and get to him, then they reset. Nurkic throws a high low to Booker, cutting. Booker loses the handle on the ball. It looks mm. like it's going to be a turnover. Mm-hmm. Then they manage uh, to recover, and a Kogi puts in of an offensive people, rebound. Man,
0: Josh Kogi. The odds on Josh, the payoff for Josh Okogie for the first bucket must have been like two thousand dollars.
2: I could have, I could have lost to uh, Kevin Durant. Devin Booker, I would have been okay with even that. even
0: Yusuf Nurkic,
2: even yeah. Nurkic, yeah. you know, a little, a little put back, whatever, whatever you do, Yusuf. But like Josh Okogie, <laughs> ball <laughs> peep. Anyways, it was fun. It's Give me, tough. Yeah. Anyways, it was fun. It, it was, was a very, did I pronounce his name right? It, it, it was it, a very it, exciting two minutes in the booth. It, it was very exciting, and uh, shout out to Yaka for going eight of nine. I just knew, the, I just knew, if the ball went in his hands, that I was good money. But the ball just didn't find him uh, yeah. early on. So it's tough. It's tough.
0: Well no, yeah. we should have. Anyway, that's a different conversation. We're going to take that off air. But uh, what else happened in the arena yesterday, Alex?
2: Um, you know, we had a chance to catch up with uh, Utah Watanabe, who was supposed to be on the program this week. Uh, Shouts to Danielli, who was working really hey, hard behind the scenes, hard uh, behind the scenes to to make this happen. And because of you know scheduling, we we're unable to. He so. wants that
1: no, number. No, no, no. <laughs> wants that chain back.
2: Danielli, you're not getting the chain. This is a democracy situation um so one one chain to democracy would mean we're we're betting <laughs> okay on it, the, uh, or
1: we're uh, voting on it okay rather. the
2: other one um yeah. the not it's good one egalitarian um, yeah the one it's where, where i just forever. pick um authoritarian anyways we were tracking we had our utah sensors on so we tracked down utah pre-game you know he was walking towards the tunnel you know we said what up to him and we're able to actually just hand him a t-shirt. Um, he knows who you guys are at this point, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yes, of yes, course. Yes, yes. He
1: saw us, and he was like, hey, what's
0: up, guy?" And just yeah. very, like, laid back and chill, right? He's so very
2: chill. When we he sees us, he's like,
0: hey, what's up?
2: We sometimes forget he's, like, one of the most popular athletes in the world, just in general. We definitely
0: forgot uh, yeah. about that fact. Because, so, to take viewers behind the scenes, mm. got to the arena... And I'm in the 600s. And I'm just sitting, chilling. Yeah, loop you bomb. Know, at one point, I was playing Switch because, again, there's not much happening. Okay, Three take hours this loop bomb game. away. I was playing the Nintendo Switch. Okay. um, Loser. And I'm in the booth, and I'm talking to Jeremy, and I see, the aka the Mainlander, aka Pan- the Mainlander Mamba. And um, yep. AKA Pancake I see Utah walk into the arena. He's one of the first guys to come warm up to shoot. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, conversation's over. Switches over. We're going downstairs. We, Switches over. We are going downstairs for the most important part of the show. Put
2: trial. away Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, or whatever <laughs> yeah, you call no, it. That's
0: right, man. The DLC is going to have to wait.
2: Holy crap.
0: Uh, we are going to go down to the arena, and then we we got down there. I texted you too, because I was like, you yeah, know, emergency. You just yeah. in the building. Yeah, it was an emergency. And then we assembled, and we're waiting courtside. And he goes through his I'll shoot around, does the whole thing. Yep. Then he goes to sit with the coaches on the assistant side, mm. and he's just going through the film. Took too long, man. All that kind of stuff, and the whole time we're just waiting because we're we're posted up at the tunnel where they got to go through.
2: Yeah, we skipped the dark presser. We skipped the whole dark <laughs> presser just for this,
0: and then Utah does come over. We chat a little bit; it was nice.
2: Yeah, handed him a T-shirt, a Utah Tabuse T-shirt. Yep. That's the first Japanese player to play in uh, in, the, in the NBA, and he played for the Phoenix Suns. That's right. He was like uh, a
0: five-six point guard.
2: Yeah, shout to yeah. my guy Alberta double dribble made that shirt. Give him the shirt, and we're like talk about the show. How's Phoenix? You know, I told him I went to Tokyo. This summer, you know, met some friends of his. He's like, "Oh wow, you went to this exotic place named Tokyo <laughs> that
1: nobody's ever been to. Great story, buddy."
2: And then I'm walking away because the whole plan for the last couple of years is like, "Yo, Will, you gotta get Utah's number. Like, let's just get this ramen thing done." So I'm walking away because I want Will to just take care, of, like, stand on business, like as as yeah, uh, Garrett to told you to. Toes. But then Will looks at me. He's like, yo, come back here, man. We got to do this together.
0: Well, I needed emotional support. <laughs> Clearly, I'm unable to close on you. Chicken Zoom. ramen, the three of us. So then,
2: we, so then we asked Utah for his number, and one of the most famous people in the world just kind of, he, he like, he thought about it. He like paused for like five seconds and went through all the scenarios of how his life could be different if he gave us his number and somehow we leaked it out. And then um, he was just didn't Which give it to well, us. I would never do. You know, he's like be contact clear, my agent, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. like you. But
4: no. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. So it was, it was we know one. he's with Wasserman, and I got some connects there. So gonna okay. we're gonna make that happen through his agent. It was I uh, yeah. So we had we another, brick. We we had we another
0: brick in this. I, I also told him I was like, you know, we're so still the dinner. He's like, yeah, I want to do the interview. We'll set up a time, whatever. Mm-hmm. I told him because I was like, you know, uh, I want to make you help. Uh, Shohei Otani,
2: yes, he help make pitch. the pitch for Shohei Otani to, to come
0: to the Jays, right? Because yeah. he's been in Toronto, yeah. they're actually friends, like they're genuinely friends, yeah,
2: not like us, <laughs> yeah. I think Shohei has Utah's number, but he Utah said he I wants I he but Utah's to, like, I want him to go to Arizona, yeah, yeah. he's not going he's like, to Arizona, though. I, I mean, believe it's been narrowed down to what the Dodgers is, are, those, not, are, those are those are those real or fake? Look, so, every big
1: reporter come on, is like. Rogers. Is like Shohei Otani's camp is the most secretive camp. They're like kawaii levels of secretive. But then everyone is also being like, but it's down to this, this, and this. And this is what he's valued. So everyone is at the same time saying his camp is insanely secretive. And here's all the information. Uh, I am not putting much stock in anything. That's
0: why I wanted you to to pitch him. He's actually friends and he's actually lived in
1: Toronto. The, The odds are greater than zero that he will come to Toronto and the odds are
2: I'll live with that right
1: now. I, I'm not willing to go higher than they're more than zero. It, I is, don't think anyone really knows that much. I yeah, think it's just yeah. people reading the tea leaves. Um What what
0: can you give this list in like basketball terms? Like is this like if Michael Jordan hit free agency or something? Like what what's the what's the scale
1: here? Yeah, I mean like Michael Jordan's probably I mean LeBron at one point, but like okay like yeah. unquestioned the best player in the league. So this is like LeBron hitting for agency. Right. Now, basketball Mm -hmm. is not a perfect comparison because there's no way to, like, pitch and hit. Like, there's a – like, Otani is the only person in the league that does that. Right. Yeah. Um, What is is
0: pitching and hitting in this situation? Like, playing –
1: Coaching. Like, like, MJ was a defensive player of the year. Okay. So, like, in terms of two-way, but it's not really the same because the skill sets are so different. The other – and then what cuts the other way is, like, in baseball, like, Shohei's been the best player in the world. He – had the second best player in the world on his team and they still never even made the playoffs because in baseball you just can't have that big an impact as an individual.
2: It's going to all change when he's got Alejandro Kirk as his teammate. This is like when Babe Ruth hit free agency whenever he did. I I mean, he didn't even hit free agency agency so much as they sold him. They oh, just yeah. so sold he, the rights to Did he have agency? He? They sold his rights. Oh, yeah, God. Was, Where's Garrett was, Temple?
1: That was yeah, way Garrett before Temple. Kurt Flood came along yeah. and uh, that wasn't changed really the reserve clause there.
2: Anyway, it's another really wong with your Another wong bomb. Uh, you say Kikuchi was supposed to be there last night to to meet Utah Watanabe, but then things came up. So yeah. a lot of
1: misconnections last night. Kikuchi's well, off trying to pitch Shohei. Like,
2: yeah. Wow, damn. A lot of
1: misconnections. They went to the same high school. And, like, Kikuchi came over first, then went to Seattle, yeah, did, and then to didn't Toronto. did Otani
2: say he, like, looked up to yeah. Kikuchi in a way yeah. and all I think this they're stuff? From Is that like, like a Kendrick similar... saying, I
1: used to want to be Aaron Oflalo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
2: Right. Um,
1: yeah, I think they're from, like, the same rural area yeah. Yeah. in Japan. The same prefecture? Uh, as well. Uh. So, someone else who was at the Raptors game yesterday who I wanted to ask you guys about. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, Drake. We we still want to oh, talk about yeah, Drake oh, oh, sure. going yeah. into shoot, the locker shoot. room after <laughs> the game elite. and Darko giving him the floor and Drake not having bars ready
2: to, to hype the team up. Do we, really. do we have a clip I here? I believe
0: we have the clip of the uh, courtesy of open gym.
2: Yeah, Aubrey Graham.
0: Of uh, of Aubrey Graham. Aubrey Graham going yeah. into the Raptors locker room. Mr. So let's Graham. run that clip. Together on three. One, two, three. Together. Hey!
1: dog what you got for us oh what do i have yeah uh, you're part of a team by the way incredible win you see I look at this my, my dog has a chain on <laughs> <laughs> saw a lot of synergy you know a lot of sharing the ball
4: a lot of great plays made you know congratulations boys it's a it's a regular season win but it's a great win nonetheless you know we, it is what it is, it is we, we, okay. we, we gotta celebrate we, we, gotta celebrate we
0: can we, we have season record of 44 deflections today and oh, scotty wow. had 10 deflections he wants to get it to win, win that sweet, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Together all three. One, two, three.
2: Yeah. All right. Before. Oh, man. Before, wow, we, ask a a before we ask the hard question, start with you, Blake. We are going to go around here and pick our own favorite part of that clip. So uh, who, what's your favorite part of that? Yeah,
1: oh, that he locked eyes with Azatam when
2: he said synergy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no, man. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> okay. That's Blake's favorite. Uh, Will, what's your favorite part of that clip? If it's you had to pick one part. It's definitely
1: the
0: total lack of
2: chemistry between Drake and Darko. Yeah. Because last last week, Drake was
0: at the Celtics game, Mm. and he was like, I haven't been here a long time, man. I mean, that that man is not Nick Nurse.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: he was not familiar with his own coach uh But then when he came in, and Darko was like, "What you got for us?" <laughs> He's just like, "What do I got for you? I'm Drake. What do you want from me, man? I gotta do for all the dogs, and then I gotta do a postgame speech for all the dogs. <laughs> and he like, gotta
2: drop six bonus tracks for Scary Hours. And then then Darko
0: clearly is like, "Oh, he doesn't know much about this. Let me mm. jump in with the stat about the 44 deflections." Mm. And Drake's just sitting there like, "Hmm," mm. and he gives that little whistle like, no. "I was like, wow, all right."
2: My favorite... Is-
1: chemistry, man. I'm sorry. This isn't the Nick Nurse shoulder rub.
2: My favorite is uh, Drake being like... It's just a regular season win, man. He,
1: yeah, now do you think that's him downplaying it because playoff wins more, or he's really disappointed they didn't do anything in the in season tournament because he wanted an excuse to go
2: sit courtside in Vegas. Yeah, you know what? I, I I will roll with that theory, man. What an incredible. You think you think they rolled, won that
0: Celtics going by the way.
2: Do you think Drake rolling in there being like, yo, what up, Pat Delaney? Yeah. <laughs> I just want that to happen one time on Open Gym. I I, I would love for him to say what up, James
0: Wade.
1: Yeah, One that would, that would what be a, amazing. Drama, How would you do that to my Chicago sky,
2: James Wade? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that would be amazing, man. Yeah. Why is Drake always great content? Is this a too obvious a question? But every time something drops, it's like immediate. No, it's content, and it's yeah. always content.
0: No, it's just it's just whatever he does is it, it is kind of use worthy. It's, like useworthy.
2: it's, 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 it's kinda, it would be I, so
1: annoying if your life was like that. If you just did any mundane thing, it was use. But this yeah. is this is part of it. I think is like like obviously any level of celebrity could at some point have that, like, anything is content. Like, the Taylor mm. Swift, Travis Kelce yeah, exactly. like, yeah. anything is content, anything yeah, is yeah. content. But what Drake's been able to do is have enough of a sense of humor about himself sometimes being... Mm. Like, he's in on the joke, but he's okay with it being on him sometimes. And, like, whatever you think of the music side of it whatever or even if you know you're tired of the raptors relationship or where because I, I hear that complaint sometimes mm-hmm. um why why would he, anyone be tired of? i don't this? know because people great. need something to complain about and if it's an off day you can't complain about the team or the rotations um but he's the, not ambassadoring the raptors enough
2: yeah he's not he's not though but what move gives on, him yeah. staying power he's <laughs> who's he gotten us michael bradley for tfc um, yeah. Anyways. But what
1: trip. gives him staying power for content is yeah. that he's like able to be in on the joke and like yeah, yeah. like in yeah. a situation like that, not take it seriously. Know that's gonna make open gym mm-hmm. when he hits the broadcast with Matt and Jack. Know that that's gonna get memed a lot and stuff like that. And that's probably something that I'd imagine if you get a certain level of celebrity, that's fun for like a second, mm-hmm. and then like you don't really want to be like you're more the celebrity that like hey, I want the courtside seats, but like. Please don't ask me to do anything during the game. Don't right. put me on the red carpet, welcome stuff like
2: that. Mm. Yeah. Right. Damn. Anyways, no. Um, yeah, show us a Drake. I'm anti Drake now because he got a copy of Prehistoric but never posted it. Um, oh my god. He couldn't,
1: he couldn't even do the LeBron. The like, post himself like with I a know. with a bookmark He's two, like, on the on the forward. Even Jr.
2: Manitad did that for yeah. for for me.
1: Everyone saw to Henry and
0: Owen and, and closed the book.
2: <laughs> Yo, uh, shouts to JR by shout the way. And 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 another Allen. really hard working week from you. Um just want to quickly give you a quick honorable mentions. You're not getting the chain tomorrow, so you can just yeah. stay home. Um keep grinding, bro. Yeah, keep grinding, bro. Um the Raptors, uh this was a video that was put up by their social team earlier this week. They asked a bunch of players how many points they would drop at an open gym run in 30 minutes. So I wanted to share some of these results with you, get your thoughts. And then I wanted us to close the show by picking the four Raptors you want to run with at a pickup run. Um, Pascal said he would drop 100 points. Uh, Malachi said he would drop 80. Scotty said he would put up 70, 15, and 20. Uh, Goodness. Javon Freeman-Liberty said 60 to 65. Garrett Temple, okay. 60. Thad Young, 50 to 60. And he said, quote, when I retire, lifetime fitness is not going to want to see me. Grady Dick, 50. OG, 35. Jalen McDaniel said, they'll be fouling me too much, 20 points. No comment there. Uh, Jakob Purdle said, I'm just going to pass the ball and grab some rebounds. Yeah, there's uh, kind of the main list of, of, of uh, guys who shared um, how many points they would drop at an open gym run in 30 minutes.
0: So when Malachi says 80, I actually believe him. because when well, I think s- we've
2: seen it. We've seen yeah. him. Pro-am Malachi. Yeah, yeah. yeah, at a
0: program, He literally, like the one in Toronto that, that Ball Don't Stop did here like mm. two years ago now. Shazakam. Shots to Eckham, but it was him and Scotty in that run. And Scotty had, like, respectable 40 or something like that. Yeah. I legit had, like, 70-plus. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I believe that. I don't uh, – my only real take is I don't want Yakob on my team because he says he's uh, – like, he asks, gets, gets, asks, all, grab some gets asked about scoring, and he said, I'm going to pass the ball, grab some rebounds. Well, you guys have played with me. What am I going to say? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm not scoring at all. It's like, I'm going to play defense <laughs> and set some screens. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm, like, a foot shorter than Jakob Purtle, and I wouldn't do it as well, but that's <laughs> – that's my role in the offense. I don't want to touch the ball.
2: Yeah, I should have seen that video. should have not bet on Jakob if I saw this video. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, I want to hear. Um, we know who the best players are on this team, but I want some more critical thinking as to, like, how are you going to assemble your, your – uh, so it's going to be you and four Raptors players showing up to a pickup run.
0: Got you. So I so, have to
2: physically play. So with you're them?
0: playing and oh, I want a
2: dream. And I want to hear your thought process of the four players you would assemble around you. So should we start start with Will?
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. You definitely number one, you want the best athlete period in the gym. Open open runs is a lot of transition, okay. uh, a lot of sloppy play, a lot of one on one play. Yeah. So a guy who can block a shot, a guy who can you run a You know what?
2: Past. We know what we're gonna draft this real quick. Okay. So yeah. you got first pick. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Scotty Barnes. Okay, you're yeah. taking Scotty. Scotty like would be that.
0: excellent in an open run. Plus, he do some cool dunks, which I'll get to you know, maybe throw one okay. as a lob.
2: Yeah, this is the fantasy.
4: Scotty Barnes. Yeah, sc- yeah, okay, so Scotty
2: for, for Will.
4: Blake. All right. With
1: Scotty off the board, I'm going a different direction. Point guard's the most important position mm. in, a, in a pickup run. You've got to have someone who isn't just driving in a lane, forcing shots, can actually make a, make a pass and make a read. Um, but for the fun factor, for the highlight reel factor, and for maybe they sleep on us a little bit, I'm taking Marquise Noel. Oh. I think he'd be an unbelievably what? fun, like open oh. court, open run player. Okay, wow. You know, I only want... I thought you were gonna say Dennis because uh, you're setting this up like it was. No, Dennis. No, Dennis wasn't on the list. Um, I guess neither was Marquise Noel. But uh, no, we can we can drop two okay every That's Yeah, all good. like I, like there yeah. is an era where. There aren't two-way contracts, and Marquise Noel doesn't make it to the NBA, and he's yeah. like a Rucker Park legend. Okay, I like that. I can yeah, absolutely right, see okay. that for him sure. if he came yeah. along 15 years ago. Got you.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, as a fellow MVP, I have to take Dennis. Um, oh. I think the two of us will bring a lot of winning Um, to the program. That's so, actually pretty yeah, good. I'm going to go with Dennis. Uh, what about – okay, back to you. Will. Well,
0: you've let me have – Pascal, so I have the best score on the group too.
2: Yeah, but you're just gonna that's boring. No, I'm trying to
0: win. You know how serious <laughs> I am about winning. All right, Scotty and, you know Scotty
2: and Pascal go to Will Blake, who yeah, you got? That's right.
1: I don't even need to explain I, that. I don't know if Lo, like this is a different style of basketball. Like I heard, remember a couple years ago, I can't remember if it's the championship team or the year after or the year before, or whatever. Mm. In the Raptors runs all summer that they do. Uh-huh. Lorenzo Brown was the was the unbeatable one-on-one player. Mm. Okay. It's a different style of basketball. It's yeah. a different style of basketball though. Mm. Right. And I know we've seen Pascal in the Rico runs and stuff like mm. that. He dominates though.
2: Yeah. Time is of the essence, boys. Um, like who you got.
1: All right. I'm taking OG. Um, ah, damn it, man! Obviously, right. he's not going to okay. lock in defensively you know, all, all that much, but like he can shoot it a little bit. Yeah. And, and hey, the Raptors aren't going to let him expand his offensive game, and yeah. I'm going to. You're his best. So friend, Will.
2: you know, all clearly right. Dennis and I are going to carry our team, and we just need some spot up shooters. So I'm going to take Grady Dick. Um, you seen those percentages? Out in, camped right. out in the corner. All yeah. right, I'm betting on Dick. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable! You guys yeah. are, are just allowing me to. Build the super team. Yeah, here. go ahead, brother. Who you got?
0: Uh, who do I want next? Um, in this kind of setting, I kind of really would love a guard. Um, give mm. me Gary. Okay. Yeah, I need. A, I need a dead There's eye only shooter.
2: one ball, man. It this doesn't no, matter, you're so, bro. This is, oh, you're ball literally, you're a literally gear, the Raptors. The, he's building the Raptors. <laughs> I'm
1: going to win the game. Y'all took Marquis Noel second overall. <laughs> I was trying to have fun in a pickup yeah, round, man. No, have have some, and guess what? Y'all I'm taking, thought
2: this was a charity game? Have <laughs> some fun, Pikachu. I'm um, taking
1: Jalen McDaniels next. You're <laughs> taking Jalen. He's taking Jalen McDaniels. Will, me, you made the case for the yeah. best athlete wins in those situations yeah yeah. i'm taking the best athlete left on the board
2: um you know clearly dennis and i again are going to carry the team um grady hopefully can contribute a little bit Mm. Um, i'm gonna take garrett temple um okay i I like garrett temple are you are you building a are you building a a Blu-ray game what are you doing i'm building a union (laughs) you are building i'm I'm actually secretly unionizing right now (laughs) All uh, right, Will,
1: who's your last dude? How much trouble are you having spelling Temple in this doc oh, right I, now? I'm trying to call him. <laughs> GTSR is what Will put in there for is, Garrett Temple. He's the
2: older GT on the team. Right? All right, who's your last my, pick, man? My last pick. Who are you going to say Kawhi Leonard? Yeah. Oh, man,
0: he's available? No, you know what? I believe that when he says it, man. You're I taking think that will take this the most seriously. You're taking too.
2: Lifetime Fitness Mamba. Yes,
0: I am, okay. actually. Yeah, that will be my center, point center, you know, okay. can make some passes. All right.
1: Yeah, I'm chilling in this game. Yeah. All right,
2: will. Uh, I'm taking, I'm
0: taking
1: Bobby Webster. I need I need Ooh. some shooting. He can pull up, he can pull up from the logo and is uh, as I understand it very unafraid to take uh, take a lot of shots in a pickup route. I don't wanna okay. out his
0: business, but I know Bobby has given players buckets. You know what? Give me Azotam, boys.
2: <laughs> I need the, I need the numbers. I, I need okay. to crunch the numbers. Sure. I need to know where Grady's best spots are. Where Garrett Temple's best spots are. Uh And we're unionizing, so I am going to need some numbers.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, this Uh is great. So the three teams are me, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Gary, and Thad. Damn, that's sick. Blake with Marquise Noel, OG Anovi. Who are you guys playing? In Saga? (laughs) Jalen McDaniels and Bobby Webster. Uh, And then it is Alex with Dennis, Grady Dick, uh, GT Senior, in this case, Garrett Temple, and (laughs) and (laughs) Hazeltam. So, I'm happy we all took it as seriously as I did. But my team is crushing all your teams. But we are going to wrap here for today. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Night Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to Savannah Hamilton, Dennis Schroeder, producer and co-host Alex Wong, Blake Murphy, our board producer, Derek Vandale, James Wilson, David Siss, J.R. Manitide. helping behind the scenes. We'll be back tomorrow.